Hello. Hello. I'm Zach. And I'm Imari. And, and we, we are, are free, free to, to be. be. Free to Be is a podcast for LGBTQ plus youth across the state of New York. We talk about all sorts of things that affect queer youth in the Empire State. Brought to you by Youth Power of Families Together in New York State. Youth Power is a network hosted by Families Together that is run for and by youth and young adults. We work to ensure young people have meaningful involvement in all levels of the services they receive. The opinions and viewpoints shared by staff and guests on this show do not necessarily reflect the viewpoints of Families Together in New York State. To learn more about us and our advocacy, visit ftnys.org. Thanks. And enjoy. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the third episode of... It's the third episode, right? Yeah. I've lost my ability to count, like... It's not just COVID isn't just affecting time anymore. It's affecting like <laughs> my already extremely questionable math skills. So I wonder what that means for the math system in general. <laughs> Get rid of it. Get rid of it. Get rid of math. <laughs> yes. I mean, All of it. okay. I like, I, I don't like math, but I feel like that's going to cause a lot of problems in almost every aspect of human existence. I just imagine GPS is trying to tell you how far to turn. If you don't have math, then do you have feet or meters? <laughs> GPS is just like, yeah, it's like somewhere that way. <laughs> it, it, it's, it's, it's like your mom <laughs> trying to give you vague directions. It just turns into that. Like, it's it's over by the by your elementary school. somewhere, Like, the street over where Aunt Tina used to live, but doesn't anymore. You like, know the place. <laughs> Thanks. That's useful, GPS mom. What's <laughs> it's this a good brand about? GPS LGBT stuff, right or something? Uh, I don't. I don't know. Sure, sure, sure. <laughs> LGBT, LGBT stuff and bad GPS advice. <laughs> and GPS moms. GPS. See, I don't get what it is with parents and like. This is, I, I just have to go on this tirade. Like my my mother like. <laughs> I don't know why she uses the GPS sometimes because she just goes like, that's not right. And then just ignores it and goes the way she wants to anyway. Like, why do you have it on? What's what's <laughs> the point? Like, I don't I don't understand. Like, you clearly have it on because you're at least a little bit unsure of where you're going. But it tells you a direction and you immediately object and just go a different like what what is the purpose? Maybe it's a generational thing. I don't know, but it drives me nuts. I, I'm I'm totally that backseat driver though. If I see somebody taking directions that are I know are not quicker, not the quickest route, I'm just like, why are you doing this? Turn here. No, I know better than whatever software you're using right now. Oh, okay. So, so I don't know. Mm-hmm. I might be your mother. It's, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> Plot twist. Um, I mean, I, I guess that probably just comes from me too. I'm kind of an unsure driver, and I like to know exactly where I'm going without like a hint of. Like, I'm willing to take a long way if it means, like, I know for sure I'm going to get to where I need to go. So mm-hmm. maybe it's just a, a difference in in driving styles. Because if I have absolutely no idea where I'm going and, like, I don't have access to a GPS, I just pull over and cry until I do have access to a GPS. <laughs> That's my strategy. <laughs> yeah, totally. In new places, I cannot depend on myself. Unless I've been in the place before. I'm very, like, directionally savvy i guess if i if i've gone through an area once or twice i can probably go through that area without gps by myself the next time but new places uh uh-uh. no no pull out a map actually 
That's my grand. That's my grandfather. I feel like he has a map of like every county in the United States. Just like how how do you have such a small map for this one like a- area of Schoharie? I don't understand. True. I also I was thinking because I'm very fascinated by maps, but I will never actually like actually buy one because I have Google Maps. But <laughs> I'm also thinking like I was watching was it lovecraft country on hbo last night how is that i've heard i think my boyfriend kimo was actually watching it the other day and i think he liked it but (laughs) oh studio audience you can't see but my mind is blown it's very blown it's it's so good and there's only one episode and i just don't know how to describe it but it's like i think set in the 20s or 30s and it's just like black horror fantasy mythical alien like i don't know what's happening but i'm here for the ride <laughs> like there's a bunch of crazy crap happening right now i don't know what's going on but i'm, I'm here quite, for it quite literally it's just like whoa i'm intrigued tell me more that's how i feel <laughs> like i watched the first episode and i like got more energy and then i realized there's only one episode out but I was like watching that last night and I was thinking like people really had maps out when they were driving. That's quite dangerous to me. Well, ideally you would have your passenger co-pilot be working the map and then you would. But yeah, some people just yeah straight up like would have this huge like six <laughs> foot tall map just like <laughs> blocking their entire windshield as a like, yeah. Like, texting texting and driving is not good, but I feel like older generations also had some pretty bad habits. Like, we're not the only... The youngins are not the only one who had some less-than-ideal driving habits. Pretty bad. Like, texting and driving is not great at all. It's not even near good. Don't do it, but, kids. <laughs> you know, you open in a whole encyclopedia on your lap <laughs> while driving down Route 66. I might look at you funny. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, I've been watching, and actually this is a good way to do a slight segue back into what this podcast is actually talking about. <laughs> I've been watching the second season of Umbrella Academy on Netflix, yes. which I loved the first season so much, and the second season is already getting a little bit gayer, which I am <laughs> very happy about. Um, very here for. Yeah, there's some pretty, I mean, I'm not through the season, all the way through the season yet, but there's some pretty solid lgbt there was already lgbt representation in the first season but i'd say it's a little bit more overt in this season and Mm -hmm. i am here for it um one of these episodes we're definitely should do a uh lgbt representation in media honestly i could do seven episodes about that but that would that that's definitely one that's gonna be on the docket at some point for sure Um, yeah i like that one but yeah that is not today so uh, what (laughs) we're actually talking about today is Coming out of the closet, one of Cues the music, <laughs> dr- dramatic, dramatic music. Um, one of the yeah. most integral yet nuanced and complicated topics to the entire queer experience. Yeah, I don't. E- it's rough to even know like where to begin with this one because it's kind of some like it's one of the things I feel like that unifies every letter of the L's, the G's, the B's, the T's, and the Mm -hmm. Q's. Like, it's kind of something, like, regardless, like, there's a lot of differences between those identities, but that's something we all share. Like, that's a thing that kind of, like, 99% of the time has to happen between everyone in in, in the community. Right. It's like, yeah, definitely, it can be, like, a shared 
experience. Not that all the experiences are like anywhere close to being the same. Sorry, I don't know what's happening. What? What is that? My watch is talking to my phone and I don't know, maybe they're raging a coup. I don't know what What if the watch is coming out to the phone? What if, well, what if your watch is like, this is a perfect time, guys, <laughs> I'm gay. The perfect time. Speaking <laughs> of coming out, did not mean that. I really didn't mean I feel like a lot of this my is... best jokes on this show are like completely accidental, which is annoying as someone who tries my best to be funny and then is not funny when I do it on mm. purpose. <laughs> Say. I would argue coming out is actually one of the things that's pretty much different for each individual in all there's definitely similarities but it's a very despite the fact that we all kind of do it in the lgbt community it's a very very unique individual to you as a person situation regardless Mm -hmm. of your um your individual identity we're gonna we're gonna talk a little bit about just like the concept of coming out in the in the first half and then in the second half, me and Amari will share some of our personal experience with our uh, co- coming out stories. Yay, sharing. Yay. So there's a lot of, I think one of the things I want to say first is that I remember a while ago, there's a lot of people who were, I, I feel like there's some people both in and outside the community who are like, you should just come out. You're, you're going to be a lot happier. And that is mostly true. That being said i feel like a lot of people don't when they're talking like that don't take safety into account and i feel like that should be basically the number one top priority on your list when you're thinking about coming out of the closet to basically anyone in any situation right if it's not personally safe for you to come out of the closet like there's no harm in waiting a little bit i mean i know it sucks in there it's tiny it's cramped um, you're you're living a Harry Potter lifestyle, but it's ugh, yeah. Th- th- this is a tough subject because I don't want to tell people to like stay in the closet, but also I know I know there's a lot of people who have come out of the closet who, if they had maybe waited or like done it in a different context, it might have gone a little bit better. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll say that much. Yeah, totally. I agree with that. I think like a whole bunch of things when it comes to coming out. I guess my story will obviously, and our stories will be more sold towards the end, but I think there was language for coming out that I like read through. I I did a lot of reading as a kid. So like learning how other people came out through stories, like written stories uh, was important for me to like even see the different ways that it can be done. When I was thinking about coming out, all we have was like, myspace and maybe <laughs> tumblr like i don't even think that why I does really that always tumblr? come back to myspace on this show <laughs> because myspace was the best thing ever it sounds like you're just really salty that facebook won the social media war at I'm, the end i'm still salty yeah <laughs> very salty like we could code i had like personal messages raining down on my background i had my favorites list i had daniel radcliffe as one of my top friends on myspace i messaged Nicki minaj for my 16th birthday it's nostalgia does (laughs) any of it matter no (laughs) 
Did you did but, you come out to Nicki Minaj in your message? Is that like your is that when you came out? It was not. Okay. <laughs> I just wanted her to show up at my birthday. Okay. And obviously naive child me was like, yes, this is this is how you do it. You contact her on MySpace. I mean, you miss one hundred percent of the shots you don't take, so I mean that you, part, you went for it. I went. Me trying to be a young like I don't know who plays basketball. I don't do sports. Don't ask. I don't me. know. <laughs> LeBron James. Maybe he shoots well. Don't don't flame me. <laughs> <laughs> he he is a basketball player, correct? I'm this, sure he. This person does the basket dribble. He puts the balls <laughs> in the hoops successfully. Sometimes I think. Yes, layups, layups. ESPN, please hire us. <laughs> but yeah, totally. I you know just. Wanted to be a young Onika fan on the MySpace. But, like, yeah, that's really all I had for coming out. And I think it it's what, it's something, that, like, I read now is, like, try and come out in smaller groups. I guess, like, testing your waters. Like, you know, you don't, you ain't got to jump all the way in the pool, but maybe the pool's cool. But you're interested in the pool. You got your swim swim clothes on. You dip a toe in. Maybe you tell a close friend. Yeah, that's kind of, we'll, we'll get into this more in the second half, but that's kind of what I did. I use the analogy of like, if I'm using a literal closet analogy, like I peeked the door open and then I like stuck an eye out and then I like went back in for a while and then I stuck like a whole head out like a turtle and then like went back in and then maybe like a whole <laughs> leg and then I did that for like about 10 years until I was mm. like, towards the end, I basically just, my ankle was still in there and every, basically everyone around me was like, dude, dude, just, just, like, just come out. You're, like, it's. Like, why is your foot still in there? What is the purpose? This is serving no one. <laughs> <laughs> the older I get, the more I realize how bougie my closet is. And that my closet... Your metaphorical is probably... or literal closet? Oh, I wish it was my literal rule. Uh, but my I had metaphorical... a walk-in closet in my own old apartment. And yeah. I love my new apartment and it is better than my old apartment. But the two things that I miss about my old apartment are... I had an island counter, which I'd miss dearly. And the there was a walk-in closet. Which do I, do Those are two important there. things. They were very nice. I think, like, yeah, my my metaphorical closet, my metaphorical queer adjacent closet is um, super bougie, as in there are closets inside my closet. And so just when I thought I was out of the closet, it's just like, Haha, no, this is just your shoe closet. <laughs> your shoe closet. <laughs> Wait till you get to the belt section. Well, yeah, and that's like... And correct me if I'm wrong, I'm, but, like, I think when it comes to, like, gender identity, mm-hmm. oftentimes you kind of have to, like, sometimes come out, like, twice or three times, because, like, and that seems to be what you're implying, because, like, the interesting thing about, maybe that's not the right word, but, like, if you're a trans person and you come out as trans, like, you can all of a sudden maybe, like, be gay or straight when you didn't think you were gay, gay or straight. Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh, surprise, there's, like, another an, another surprise box inside this box, like you said. Yeah, that's totally it. That was my analogy. So let's say, hypothetically, um, if you're listening, and let's say, let's just say for thought experiment, like, you're, you're, you're closeted right now. We have some... Uh, resources tips and tricks all all that jazz to maybe get the ball rolling on your journey so to speak a lot so we have some resources here collected and this is some stuff i kind of wish i knew about when i initially came out like as a teenager but yeah so we have here uh so the human rights campaign 
They are probably the biggest gay rights LGBT nonprofit in America. I think just in terms of like size, I'm not sure if that's true. I think it is though. Mm. Fun fact, I actually used to intern for them in like 2014 when I was still in college. I did a DC internship. That was really fun. Uh, Cool organization. They have a whole bunch of guides that actually splits it up into, I didn't list them all here, but if you Google like human rights campaign coming out guide, it literally has it specific for specific identities, like coming out as trans, uh, coming out as gay, coming out as lesbian. Like they kind of like break it down in specific ones and like even for like other identities like if you're latinx and coming out like there's like cultural considerations that they have there like they kind of like broke it down into a whole bunch of intersectional identity coming out guides which i think is really cool because that kind of helps bridge the gap between like like a general coming out guide is great but it's like we were saying earlier like every single person's situation is uniquely different so having guides for each of those specific identities, I feel like, is a pretty good way to go about that. Agreed. If you if you want to talk about this, GLSEN, what, what does GLSEN stand for again? What's the acronym? GLSEN used to stand for Gay Lesbian Student Education Network, if I'm remembering correctly. But currently, I'm a GLSEN board member for the Capital Region, New York mm-hmm. area, and Glisten is just a standing name at this point. So it doesn't and officially we, mean that anymore. Yes, so. because as as Glisten has grown, it recognizes that gay and lesbian aren't the only identities within the LGBTQ community and doesn't want to limit their insignia to just gay and lesbian um, students. So Glisten is Glisten. But as a member, one one resource I wanted to share that Glisten has is like there's a whole resource i don't want to necessarily say a guide because nobody can really guide your coming out but they have a coming out resource for lgbtq students it like lets you know some some of the language um some stuff that we've said even in our our past podcasts about like cisgender and normative behavior well quote quote normative behavior and it lists a bunch of considerations for coming out and i'll just start with three of them and possibly link this in the description possibly of this podcast yeah, we should so that be able people, to do that yeah we'll we'll have resource this but the first consideration for coming out is that you get to decide for yourself when if and how you come out so like, I can't say that this is a guide because I can't guide anybody else in what their story looks like. And that's not my place to. And it's nobody pla- nobody's place to tell you how, when, or it's, yeah, out of, out of place for anybody to, to put any type of restraints on your coming out story or experience. It's a deeply, um, deeply personal thing you have to go through. And yes. we can... It's like I'm gonna like quote the Matrix here. Um, like it, we can only like show you the door. You're the one who has to open it. That's how I kind yeah. of like. We can show you how to safely open the closet door, but you have to decide when it's right for you to do so. Right. And my family's from the south, so we could we say you can lead the horse to the water, but you can't make him drink. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's true. That's a good one. As well. uh, yeah, and I'll, I'll probably talk more about that first one because it's like a a consideration that weighs heavily on my own story but the second consideration is 
that it can help to find a support person to come out one-on-one. Um, so whether it's a friend, a family member, an adult at school that you trust, adult after school program, you can never really predict or control how people will react to your uh, new identity, but it may help to have somebody in your corner uh, who's either supporting you or who themselves is LGBTQ or just stands up for your own rights. And the third one that I'll share is coming out just doesn't happen once. So it's a process. It happens over and over again because we live in a hetero cisnormative society. And that'll explain, like this link will explain what hetero cisnormative uh, society means. But like that's essentially where people are expected to be, like have the expectation to be straight or cisgender as in uh, identify as the gender that they were identified with at birth. Yeah, I, I think the a basic description we can say is that like heteronormative and cisnormative means that most people in, uh, we'll, we'll just keep it to America for simplification, mm-hmm. um, or Western, just whatever you want to call it. Um, basically, the idea is that like heterosexual and cisgender is the default, which I think we've kind of clearly demonstrated both in this episode and honestly in the last two episodes that that is a bunch of, to quote Joe Biden, malarkey. <laughs> but yeah, there, that I think is a great resource for young people and not even just young people. I think it's a great resource for anybody who is thinking about coming out just because it it, it can be scary. Um, like It can scary. be a daunting thought because it leaves the variables in in other people and you don't know how they're, they're going to react or uh, consume that information. I feel like a cliche by saying like, it gets easier or it gets better because I feel like that's like what was said to, I don't know about you, Zach, but I know it was said to me like growing up, like come out and then it gets better. Um, in I as mean, a young person it's... in that moment, maybe it doesn't feel better, but yeah, it gives you more ways to find support in those moments, even when it doesn't feel like it's getting better. I I think it's technically true in that, like, I became a much better, mentally healthier, just overall truer to myself person after I came out. That being, like, and it does over time get better, but I don't think that demonstrates the ups and downs that you face. Because it's like it said in that article, it's like not, it's not an all at once process most of the time. It's mm-hmm. a, it's it's a kind of a, a bumpy road and like think of it almost like a really tough hike. Like there are some parts of the hike that might I, I don't really want to sugarcoat it sometimes might be brutal and might suck. You might like uh, I'm, I'm dehydrated. I don't have enough cliff bars. I, it's really hot. But like once you get to this, you will eventually get to the summit. And once you do, the view is beautiful. That's very true. And just to bring, uh, we also have here um, the tre- uh, the Trevor Project you you put in oh, here yeah, in our yeah. little out- outline thing. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So they have lots of resources for all the. If if you're not familiar, the Trevor Project, I think they mainly do suicide prevention. If I recall, no, correctly. or is it not just that? It's not just suicide. I don't believe it's suicide. Am I think I might just... be thinking of someone else. No, they have. Um, I think right now they're having a focus on suicide prevention within the LGBTQ community. So th- there is a portion of their work that is dedicated to that, but they also do a lot of 
uh, like LGBTQ trainings. I don't have their website up, so I'm trying to remember off the top of my head. And a lot of, just like a ton, ton, ton of resources. And so I always just try and check into what the Trevor uh, Project has going on, um, because some sometimes it's things I've never even thought of. Sometimes it's things I've never known how to put into words. And it's all about LGBTQ youth, making sure that they are safe, heard, listened to, all that. So they have a handbook for uh, LGBTQ young people who are are coming out, thinking of coming out, and which goes over identity, the basics of gender and sexual orientation, coming out process, so planning ahead, the environment, support. It goes over healthy relationships, self-care, and even inside of that handbook is more resources. And the Trevor Project has uh, Trevor programs uh, to map your own identity, which is also in there. It's like a 20, 21 page free PDF that is available to anybody and everybody. That's that's uh, that, that's really cool. Um, yeah, we will do our best to post the links in the description for all this. But if you like Google most of what we're talking about, it should be like one of the first two or three links to uh, to, to pop up on, on the top page there. It's like we were saying earlier, this is kind of a difficult subject to talk about in a general sense because it is just so ludicrously varied for each individual person. Like we can only kind of give very, very rough guidelines. But it was like I was saying earlier, I think that the first thing you should always consider is is safety. Like you want to you want to think about who like um some sometimes uh what we talk about and youth power our families together we do trainings on what we call strategic sharing so i and i i give i if you come to any of our events um i usually do an hour to hour and a half whole talk on this so i could talk for a long time but one of the basic concepts is you have your red light statements your yellow light statements and your green light statements so a green light statement is something that you can say to literally anyone like, like hi my name is zach that is a very uncontroversial literally true statement yeah. um you can say that to strangers on the street a yellow light statement is something you want to like create pause for it kind of follows like a traffic light type type deal you want to be like mm, should i share this is it appropriate in this context like that's something you might share with like a coworker in a certain context. Like, okay, for mm-hmm. example, on this podcast, oh. I talk a lot about like my identity stuff to Amari, who is my coworker. I probably would not share a lot of that with a rando on the street because they're just trying to walk and not hear this rando talk about his stuff. So you just kind of want to like pause and think about it. So you like acquaintances, like friends, coworkers, that type of deal. And then a red light statement is something you really want to like stop and think about, like something that's very, very personal to you and something you might only want to share with a few close friends and family members, however you define uh, family. So you kind of, if you use that framework, think about like your gender identity or your sexuality, any of that, and kind of frame it in one of those, depending on the person you're talking to. So if you think sharing in a certain context might be a red in a red light statement, you want to think about that for a while because, like I said, you should always consider your your safety and whether it's safe to share that information with people. Because unfortunately, 
We've made a lot of progress when it comes to people's understanding of LGBT people, but it's not all the way there. And there are mm-hmm. a lot of people who will not react ideally. And I hate to say that, but it is it is the truth. And it's something you constantly have to think about when you're you're part of the L's, L's G's, B's, T's, or Q's. So. It also makes me think of um, when me and you, Zach, first started working on free to be together we had like a intentional conversation around and it, like it makes me think about strategic sharing typically if if a co-worker was to ask about my identity as it relates to the lgbt community i'd be like red flag red flag on the play um <laughs> but in the context they think in soccer right that's like a, a red flag is a foul just like like foul penalty box <laughs> yes oh exactly. my god i made a sports exactly. joke are we are we like sports guys now? Ugh. Mm. Ugh. I don't, I don't Let me go like get that. a referee jersey or something. Is that what they do? <laughs> yeah. I will <laughs> get a ball and pick around or something, whatever. <laughs> T- touchdown. Let me just go buy the new version of 2K. Also, I don't <laughs> have a gaming system. <laughs> I feel like that would need to come before that. <laughs> but yeah, it's like... the. It, I think also the context, so like the setting matters when, when, when thinking about safety too. Is this like a conversation you're having like exclusively one-on-one or is it one-on-one at a coffee shop or one-on-one at the lunchroom, like at the lunchroom table um, where other people who may know you, may hear, are in earshot. I think that is also a safety thing also. So context and location yeah for sure you always want to consider who might overhear what you're talking about um but yeah and also i just uh want to go into like especially like coming out to your family and this is a might also be something we get into a little bit in the second half but um this is this is also going to be a tough thing to talk about but it's something you gotta like kind of keep in mind is that uh like, if you don't have an LGBT-affirming or supporting family, you might want to consider hold, holding off until you're either out of the house or financially independent, because that is unfortunately one of the leading causes of LGBTQ homelessness is, like, unsupportive families, which mm-hmm. is really, really depressing. But it kind of it, it kind of needs to be said. That's part, like you got to think of safety as not just your physical safety. You got to think about your mental safety, your spiritual safety, your living situation safety. Like you got to mm-hmm. think of like safety in regards to coming out. As, All of your basic needs. Yes, exactly. Um, and then additionally, if you are a young person who has come out and are facing like adversities as it relates to like your living situation or financial needs, there are an abundance of resources available. I'm not sure where you live, but if you get in contact with, I, I want to say either one of us, For sure. um, we'll support you in get, getting in contact with a agency or organization near you to help with uh, food, shelter, anything you need. There's an abundance of like, the LGBTQ community is so resilient because we understand um, the vast differences and um, how our lives will be 
impacted by living in our truth and there are so many people who are standing in the like way to support um, others especially young people because y'all are our future like i ain't really that young no more i ain't got meg the stallion knees or nothing like that like it's going downhill for me i am still in my 20s and i get to say that for a little while longer and that's i will cling to that as long as i can <laughs> so but, like, i'm pretty sure like i'm pretty sure like i i just know that i feel a lot older than i am well i feel like just in the last i've aged 15 years in the last five months so um but yeah the ditto to what uh, amari said um part of our respective jobs at families together in new york state and youth power is help well helping helping youth and uh we are not we are knowledgeable in resources around the area and i mean even if we don't know the specific area that you're in we have Mm -hmm. regional youth partners and family peer advocates in literally every part of the state yep and heck even if you're out of state like we could probably do a little bit of rudimentary research and help you out there too i mean new york is our area of expertise because that's where our focus is as an organization but where if you're in that kind of kind of situation where we're definitely here to help for sure right uh we we mentioned our emails in the break you can always feel free to get in contact with us with that or like through facebook or any of the other communication social media stuff we plug for sure Mm -hmm. totally so yeah uh uh coming out do it safely but if you can kind of like come up with a game plan that's good for you it is it's a cliche you're right but cliches don't come out of nowhere it does get better it might take a little bit longer than ideal to get better but it does and i firmly believe that it does i think it does 100 percent, especially once you get connected to other like-minded folks like yeah it, it definitely gets better and gets happier and feels freer yeah it's like that that story i shared in um the first episode where i was talking about how i was around other lgbt people and that like made me more accepting of myself like that find find some find some queer friends first of all they're almost always cool because queer people are cool and secondly it it helps you affirm yourself and get more confident in yourself and your uh queer identity mm-hmm. for sure yeah and it helps you to learn well it, i i don't know about you but it helped me to learn like at one point i had three roommates and like three roommates outside of myself and we were all somehow queer identifying folks and with like super different backgrounds like from new york city or from out of state or from like rural new york and to have all of our experiences show up in so many different ways and still have this umbrella of commonality was great for me to learn different areas of like queerness and to like see it in in person and a lot of my queer knowledge came from books I read as a kid so to like see it in real life is totally different it's like reading a comic and then being at comic-con well actually I don't think that's the same but I guess it's kind of (laughs) close I I think I I think I understand your meaning yeah all right cool um so yeah uh uh come up with a plan come out but uh be safe about it and uh, other queer people including amari and i are here to help i have my thumbs up he does can confirm 
All right, unless you have anything else to add, I think we're going to take a quick quick break for uh, some some of that good old company-wide self-promotion. And then afterwards, uh, me and Amari will share a bit about our personal coming out stories. Ooh, shameless plug time. Here we go. <laughs> Hello. Thank you so much for listening. We would like to quickly tell you a few things about what Families Together in New York State is doing that you might be able to take part in. During the COVID-19 pandemic, advocacy has become more important than ever. Visit our website at ftnys.org to view our digital advocacy center to learn more about how you can get involved with foster care, children's behavioral health, educational justice, and justice system involved youth advocacy. These are all issues that disproportionately affect LGBTQ plus youth in New York. Our Digital Advocacy Center gives you all the tools you need to fight for change on these issues, while still practicing social distancing and being safe during this unprecedented time. Don't forget, registration is now open for Families Together's first virtual youth leadership forum. Join us and some of our super dope co-workers for this unique and fun opportunity. The YLF, or Youth Leadership Forum, is a unique opportunity to be connected with young people across New York State and complete a leadership project that interests you. This event is for young people 14 to 24 who live in New York State, show or demonstrate leadership potential. And the best news? It's 100% free. The VYLF will be taking place September 14th through the 16th and the 21st to the 23rd through Zoom. There will also be one in October with dates yet to be announced. You can find the registration and more information at ftnys.org. Or you can email me at zkilmer at ftnys.org. We are accepting applications for the Youth Power Leadership Council. You can create systems change and bring youth voice to the highest level of government. As part of the YP Council, you would oversee the work our network does to amplify youth voice while gaining skills and experience. Apply today at bit.ly slash YPNC survey. That is bit.ly slash capital YPN, lowercase c, uppercase s, lowercase u-r-v-e-y. Lastly, be sure to follow us on all social media. We are on Facebook at facebook.com backslash Families Together NYS and facebook.com backslash youthpower.ny. We are also on Twitter at FTNYS and at YouthPowerNY. We're also on Instagram at YouthPowerNY. If you want to send either Amari or I an email about the podcast or about Youth Power of Families Together, you can shoot us a message at zkilmer at ftnys.org or iwilson at ftnys.org. Let's get back to the show. Welcome back, everyone. I am now more hydrated. I should probably make... I am now more caffeinated. We are good to go. <laughs> that's the <laughs> that's the basic recipe of a podcast is water and caffeine. Uh, I actually, I don't know if I showed you this, Amari, and obviously y- y'all can't see it, listeners, but I got a giant water bottle. And what I do now, like I, I'm trying to make a point to like stay hydrated. 
And what I do now is I fill a giant gallon-sized water bottle at the beginning of the day. And I have, like, one of those hiking straws that, like, you put in your backpack and you sip. And I literally sit at my desk and I do work and I drink water like a gerbil. Just, like, (laughs) grabbing it and, like, through the straw. And it's been, I look objectively silly, but it's surprisingly (laughs) effective. I've been drinking a full gallon of water every day for, like, two and a half weeks. That's good. Yeah. I feel like I did better when we were in the office, like, with drinking my water, because there's filtered water already there. (laughs) Um, And obviously, I've told y'all earlier, I am a bougie person with a huge closet in my mind. So I want that filtered water back. Oh, yeah. The water cooler in the office was was pretty nice, wasn't it? Yeah, it was very primo. Very primo. Okay, so we are going to talk uh talk some more uh coming out of that old that big metaphorical bougie closet yes yes so would you like to go first tomorrow or would you like me to go first i'll go first okay so yeah coming out was like i said i did a lot of reading when i was a kid so in a lot of the like young adult fiction type books that i read i always wanted to read something queer like i wasn't telling myself something (laughs) and i had read enough that like i felt safe enough to tell a few close friends like a friend that i was in the middle school basketball team with once i knew that they were out it was typically once a friend of mine came out i would come out in unison as it related to all right, that, that's like the surface level. The green area coming out is like this blanket of bisexual, probably. I didn't even understand like pansexual or anything deeper than bi, lesbian, and gay. And once it got to like a deeper portion of, all right, maybe I want to come out to more than just close friends. But like in the future, I can think about coming out to my family. At that moment, I was very much out in school but closeted at home and because at school that was my safe space I found like some chosen friends like that were like chosen family and I could be my authentic self with them and I didn't have to hide or reduce or act like I was something I wasn't Um, I didn't have to try to be cis and hetero I could just be who I was and they accepted me fully for that and I accepted them fully for um, all of their identities and it was this one time I will add that I like I said my, my family's from the south I'm black and I grew up in church all of my life going to church Monday Tuesday Wednesday and Friday and Saturday wow um that's a lot yeah lot of yeah church. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mondays are Bible study. Tuesdays are sometimes uh, choir rehearsal. Wednesdays are definitely choir rehearsal. Fridays are youth church. And Sunday is just Sunday church, which I might go from, like, my family would go from 8 o'clock in the morning until probably 8, 9 o'clock at night. Wow. So I grew up very heavily in the church and very much under the repulsion, I will say. Um, it's like the accurate word that I would use under the repulsion that um, homosexual relationships were 
the repulsion around homosexual relationships. And this one day at school, a security guard who used to cut one of my brother's hairs, he was like harassing one of my friends and I like yelled at him about it because he was acting unfairly. And then he wanted to write us all up and none of us wanted to get in trouble. I'm sure none of us where we were actually supposed to be, even though we were on school property after school. Instead of him calling my parents and saying I got written up or instead of like writing me up for the next day, he called my mom's personal phone and uh, told her that I've been spending time after school with multiple girls and he outed me to my my mom, which I also read in a book is illegal in New York State. It's illegal for schools to out you as a student um, because you are in their care. And so to go back earlier to that first part about safety, that like we control our own narrative when coming out, it's very, very, it's like a part that's very important to me because I never got to control coming out to my mother. And as much contention as we had growing up around me and my my identity, my oldest brother, he was in the LGBT community, like contention with her and my brother, seeing that contention as the youngest sibling, I still have a lot of like love and ador- admiration for my mom and want to make her proud because that's what, you know, kids want to do. It like really put a damper in some of our communication styles because of that moment and not having any control over that. And in turn being like taken out of school and brought into church for quote, quote, mediation. And by quote, quote, mediation, I mean to be told by the pastor that this isn't the way that you're supposed to live. And then her like going to my friends and and yelling at a 14 year old boy who had not accepted his own queerness, like blaming him for me being queer. Uh, so it put a big damper in my me and my mom's relationship to the point where I didn't think I could trust her around my own children in the future. Uh, I couldn't see us having a relationship past me being 18. And if I didn't have to be in the house, I went. And that like caused other anxiety-related, depression-related thoughts and feelings. But as I, as I grew up and got older and found more of a chosen family over a biological family, I won't say over. I don't necessarily place them over, but they have two very separate fields for me. Because in that very sensitive and very vulnerable time for me, um, I think I was 15 or 16 years old, uh, where I really needed a parent who was not just accessible to me, but um, also affirming for me and safe for me. All I had were were friendships that that stood in in the gap um, and supported me. Um, and their parents who supported me. I think like as I grew with those friendships, I was able to find like my own voice again to take more charge and when I do share what I what I want to share and how I share it and recognizing when it's when it isn't is not okay for me. And like I said, there are many different shells of a closet I went through. Like I said, I first came out as bisexual, then lesbian, then am I bisexual? I don't know. I don't really know what any of this means. I ain't really trying to date anybody. I just want to get through all my gen ed courses. Then once I got to the portion where it's like, all right, I don't really care about the like, I know who I'm attracted to, but my orientation isn't set the way I thought it was set. 
that's when I had to do some more like self-reflection and figuring out um, who I was to come out in a way that was like affirming for me. Um, So once I made the decision to transition medically, it was a portion where I like, I had to have a very like, I had to have a intentional conversation with my mom but I couldn't emotionally handle having a very intentional conversation about that, even though she's done a lot of work with herself to grow out of some of the harmful things that she's done to me and my brother in our queerness. I wasn't sure how she would react. So I wrote her a letter and I planned for it to get to her before I took my first tea shot, which was November 11th, twenty. Oh, geez. What has it been? Four years? Five years? It's been a couple of years. I don't know. I don't know what you But it was 11-11. I know so, that part. Uh, j- just to clarify, you mean a testosterone shot, right? For those who might yes. not be in the know. But yeah, so I, I wrote her a letter. Had to go through a bunch of drafts of the letter. I'm not very much a like language person. I like to express myself through art. So it was very hard for me to write a very emotional letter. But it was important for me to know for her, what I was doing, why I was doing it, and that I wasn't asking permission. I think in that letter, which I think I, I like took a picture of, but I should have like copied, but did I have a printer then? I don't know. I know that I wrote and I said, I understand if this will essentially end our relationship. I understand if this is not something that will be something that we can do together, that you'll recognize with me. And at a certain point, I had to recognize her limitations as an individual separate from being my mother and take her at face value um, and say, I, I see where, you're, where, where your rope stops and I, and I can accept where your rope stops. I'm not stopping there. That it did affect her in a lot of different ways, but ultimately it allowed us to like break through some chains of communication and really start growing together. Um, now I speak to my mom like every other day. We talk about everything under the sun, whether it's dating, whether it's her on like plenty of fish and like getting catfished. Um, like, <laughs> like that's so, that is so like, awesome. <laughs> How often does she get catfished? Um, I don't know exactly, but <laughs> she thinks she's like me and like trying to catch a catfish, like calling from other numbers and stuff like that. And I'm just like, just meet him at the coffee shop. Like, <laughs> <laughs> that's that's so cool. Um, but like, it's yeah, it took a lot of space. Um, my mom moved down south five years ago, and I think like that space distance wise helped for us to like take the space that we needed and then just grow together. And I think it also helps like for her to see me in different stages. Um, so I don't have to hear about it every day, like how she feels or like her, her inner thoughts about it. It's enjoying the moment of being with your child, enjoying the moment of being with your parent. And it took a very long time for us to get to this point. Do I wish it was different when I was a child? Definitely. 1000%, like 100% emoji. But I'm glad that we're at this spot now that I could feel safe and secure and um, find some solace in my parent, my mom, because that's a very important bond to me. And then on my dad's side of things, my dad is from Jamaica. 
which has its own stereotype of extreme homophobia to the point of violence and death. And as a tween teen, I was very, very scared to come out to him because I didn't know his stance on homosexuality. You know, he's a cut and dry person. He wants to go have fun and then he wants to chill and watch sports. That's it. And I remember being 13 and playing on his work dial-up computer. I think randomly he asked me how my oldest brother was doing. And like I said, my oldest brother is in the community. And he asked, like, hey, I remember, like, him being, like, different when you were a baby. Like, is he gay? And I was like, oh, snap. How do we get here? I was just on Yahoo.com. How do we get here? <laughs> and um, I was like, yeah, he's gay. I mean, the man was like 27 years old at the time. It's not like my father could do anything. And he asked more questions than he needed to know. But then he like flipped it and he asked about my orientation. And that's when the sweat really came because I was like, I didn't even like, I thought y'all was going to go out. Like he was going to go out with your girlfriend. He was going to have a date. I was going to stay in. I was going to watch cartoons. What's that gif <laughs> of like Jordan Peele in like a Can't Feel skit where he's like sweating, like just like water is just pouring out of his forehead. Like I'm imagining that right now. That was me. That was 100% 13 year old me. Cause I'm just <laughs> like secretly emailing my girlfriend. Um, <laughs> and I'm just like, Oh snap. But my father's very much a person who will respect honesty over anything. And so I was honest. And I said, yeah, like I like girls. And I think he was taken aback a little bit, but I think he was getting the hint. And like we talked about it after he actually did go on his date. And he was very, very cool with it. Like surprisingly way too cool with it. Um, like not in an inappropriate way or anything like that. It was just like... It was like he, too cool with it? No, he's he wasn't like I don't know. He wasn't too cool with it. But it was it was just not at all what I expected. He wanted to like bond over it and like what kind of girls do you like and like this, that, Aww. and the third. I'm just like, dude, I'm not I'm not even processing us having this conversation yet. Like, I don't know. <laughs> like, do you know how much input is going to my brain right now? <laughs> <laughs> like, I think I need coffee right now. Um <laughs> And then once it came to uh, me transitioning, um, I told him later, because I ultimately, as long as I'm safe and I'm happy, he doesn't care, which sounds pretty heartless, but I think it's like, essentially what it should be. I think that's, I think there's something to be said about that. Yeah, it's like, that's his main priority is, am I safe? And is my job secure? Do I need... I, do I not need assistance um, because he raised us to be very independent, um, me and my sisters. At that point, I had already started tea and like I started growing some slight facial hair and I went down for his wedding and I didn't want to like overshadow his wedding by saying something, but I don't often go go down and see him um, too often. Uh, we're most or, more so talk on the phone or something like that. And when I went down physically, there were some changes about me. And um, I waited until like the end of the wedding, the end of that weekend to have like a man to man conversation, you know, because we're here now. And as like, I'm like, hey, let's go and talk about this thing. We sit down and he's like, 
so what's going on with your face? Like, what's happening here? <laughs> and I'm just like, can you at least let me come out to you once? Like, can you let me do it? <laughs> or just like, just like not even, I'm imagining not even like a hello, like, oh, what's up with your face? Like, <laughs> like do a little bit of a transition, jeez. No, like I said, cut and dry. That man is cut and dry. Uh, and he like has questions, but he doesn't know how to ask them. And he also, it, it's like, um, it doesn't matter. Like, it doesn't have to do with me. I don't, I don't understand it, but I also don't have to understand it. Like the under, the understanding that he needed was why I felt like, uh, transitioning was safe for me. And for me, it was, um, understanding my own identity and how I want to be seen in the world. What makes me feel comfortable, safe, and secure. Once he understood that, he was like, cool, makes sense. That sounds great. And then he wanted to just tell everybody. And then we had to talk about strategic sharing. <laughs> and it's like, Dad, you know I know you're excited. I know you're excited to tell this fun fact, but it's not a fun fact for me. <laughs> um, and like, but it just allows us to grow together and be cooler and tells me little hints like how to stand and different things like that and i'm like i've been standing for 27 years dude i'm good <laughs> so that's that's pretty much my coming out story in a nutshell in a very big big nutshell bougie nutshell wow that's a that's gonna be really tough to follow i feel like i should have went first dang you amari for being so articulate i'm sorry i didn't practice that at all <sighs> um uh, I, I came out once. The end. <laughs> end of podcast. Thanks for coming to our podcast. <laughs> uh, okay. So, yeah. Where to even begin? So, I guess I knew around puberty-ish, where probably a lot of LGBT people figure some stuff out. And I knew I wasn't straight. For the longest time, I thought I was bisexual. That ended up not being true. I'm going to get into that later. So like I was saying in the first half, I kind of came out in very small chunks. Like I, 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 I stuck an eye out of the closet. I stuck my head out. Like it was very piecemeal kind of over, over a long period of time. Kind, I think kind of similar to you, Amari, I can't, and probably similar to a lot of stories in the LGBT community. I came out to friends first kind of mm -hmm. as like a, a test bellwether type deal. Like can I do this and emotionally handle it? I was coming out as bisexual at the time because that's what I thought I was. It went mostly well. There was this one person named Emily who I told who um, she was like one of my best friends at the time. And that was, I think, the first person I ever told in my life. And that was really, really scary. That was mm -hmm. the first time I had let literally anyone into that part of myself. and But it ended up really going really good. And I had a group of friends. That, this was like eighth grade-ish, somewhere around there. Mm -hmm. And I had a group of, group of friends and I told some of them and it went like mostly well. It's kind of like we were saying, I think last episode or maybe maybe it was the first one. You kind of almost accidentally gravitate to queer adjacent people like unconsciously. Almost mm -hmm. like we have like this gay spidey sense, all of us or something. <laughs> um so I, I kind of naturally found a group that was going to be accepting even before I decided to come out to them. 
I told my mom when I was around 14, again, I was coming out as bisexual at the time, and uh, without getting into too many details, it wasn't, definitely could have gone a lot worse, and, like, I don't, uh, I, it, it's it's weird to compare stories or whatever, but, like, I, I had it easier than a lot of other people. I will say that much. Like, I don't, I don't want to say that it wasn't bad sometimes, but, like, graded on a curve of, like, what it could have been. It definitely could have been a lot worse. That being said, it probably could have been better. My mom, she listens to this podcast, which is why I'm being very careful. Hi, Mom. Um, <laughs> Hi, Zach's mom. Uh, I, I mean all of this with love, I promise. Uh, and it wasn't, I don't really think it was based in anything religious at all, like a lot of other uh, situations, uh, kind of like including yours. I think my, so my mom was a single mother. She raised me and my brother both by, basically by herself. Um, with the help of some extended family, I guess. And she is a very overprotective, very mama bear type. She literally calls herself mama bear. Like, she was, like, literally, if teachers were, like, unfair to me, she would go to the school and strike the fear of God into them. Like, low-key, sometimes I kind of weaponized her. Sometimes if a teacher, like, annoyed me. Like, <laughs> <laughs> hi, mom. <laughs> But yeah, like she she's just a very, very protective person. So I think her hesitance with accepting my not straightness mostly came from a place of concern. And I think it was like, I think she very much imagined me like wife, kids, picket fence. She wanted like that life for me. And knowing that I was not straight meant that my safety was at risk. Like, um, I don't know if I mentioned this on the show before. I'm on the autism spectrum. So my mom was a single mom who raised like an autistic child and when I was a kid, doctors, like, claimed that I would never be able to speak, like, I would never be able to read and stuff, and through her hard work, she basically managed to get me to a place where I'm, well, clearly not that, and a lot of that was through her sheer hard work, so, like, what I'm trying to say is she put a lot of effort into me, like, th like think of me as, like, a car, like, she, <laughs> she, like, tuned the engine, she, like, put a <laughs> lot of time and effort into making this car run um and any anything that deviates from the plan i think just worried her this is all also pure speculation on my part like we've had conversations about this but this is just like from my perspective this is not like direct quotes from her clearly so and also a lot of it came from not understanding sexuality and gender stuff at the time like this was 2009 2008 and my mom has come a long way in terms of understanding stuff. I mean, she listened to the last episode and she was like, I had no idea about all this non-binary stuff, but I learned a lot and it was really cool. Just as mm -hmm. an example. But back then she didn't know a lot of stuff and she really didn't understand bisexuality as a concept. Like she was one of those people who kind of believed that you were either gay or straight. Like there was no in between and it didn't really make sense to her. So she kind of like rejected that concept when i came out as bisexual and even though turns out i wasn't bisexual that still was kind of rough just because uh you know it was it just kind of felt invalidating so over over time though she got a lot better um i <laughs> i didn't say this but i didn't want to interrupt you but i also wrote a letter um i feel like that's a common strategy the 
the we need to talk letter um yeah this was actually when i was interning dc at the human rights campaign um and this actually stems into a whole story i i, I should backtrack a little bit so in 2013 i went to go i'm not sure if i ever told you this story it's a podcast but i went to go donate blood at a blood drive at my uh at my school and uh, this was SUNY Brockport. I was in college at the time. And what I did not realize was that basically if you are, for their purposes, they call it MSM, men who have sex with men. Mm-hmm. Um, if you are that, there, there's a question. There, If anyone, if you haven't donated blood before, there is a questionnaire that you fill out. And it asks a whole bunch of questions to basically make sure your blood is safe to donate. One of them is about your sexual behavior in regards to people of the same gender. And... I answered that question honestly. They what happened was basically they banned me for life from donating blood. Mm-hmm. I did not realize that it was an FDA regulation that men who have sex with men are literally not allowed to donate blood. And it was the most hurtful thing that ever happened to me in regards to my sexuality in my life. Just from a personal standpoint. Like I I donated blood a bunch of times before that. I I viewed it as a point of pride, like I was helping my community, like all that mm-hmm. jazz. And I literally went to go, I worked for the radio station at the time, the college radio station. And I literally went, it was in the student union, the blood drive, they were in the same building. I went to go, I went to the radio station. I found the sound booth that I was using and I literally just like cried for like 30 minutes because I just could not believe that in 2013, I they they had openly discriminated against me and said you're no longer welcome here basically. Mm-hmm. I had a complete emotional breakdown. This was like one of those things that happens to you that kind of defines a lot of your personality. So after I was done being really really sad, I got very angry. And what I did was immediately signed up for the DC internship program at my school, went to go work for the human rights campaign mainly for the purpose of learning how to advocate against this absolute nonsense law. So how that relates to coming out is that's when I decided to fully come out. Uh, it's directly tied into that. So like I said, I had rudimentally come out of the closet at a few points uh, to different people over time. That was, I, 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 was, I was writing for a blog at the time and I wrote a blog post, blog post that was half fully coming out publicly and half I'm going to Washington, D.C. to work for a gay rights organization to figure out how to stop this blood ban because I'm really mad about it. Mm-hmm. And it, it, they're kind of inextricably tied tied together now. So, yeah, and I, and I, I interned at the Human Rights Campaign. I learned, a, I, I learned a lot. I wrote like a 23-page paper about why the blood ban was absolutely bogus. Fun fact now, um, so it used to be a lifetime ban. So if you answered that question, you were like in the American Red Cross system as banned for life. Now there's a one-year deferral. So mm-hmm. like basically if you're like, I haven't had sex with a man for a year, you're allowed to donate blood. Still nonsense, but at the very least, it's not like you're banned forever now. Like it's a very rudimentary, very baby step move in the right direction. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm not going to go down that rabbit hole too much because, like I said, I wrote a 23-page. It's one of the things I can reasonably say I'm a literal expert in. Like, I could do a nine-part NPR mini series 
about why this blood man is absolute nonsense. Maybe we'll talk. Maybe we'll dedicate an episode at some point to it. I'm also down for that. I have a story. Really? Okay. Um, I, I'm definitely good to hear it. But <laughs> so that was when I decided to inextricably like li- link the two, and that is when I wrote the letter to my mom and. Because I was coming out fully, so I felt like, all right, we need to, like, bury the hatchet on some of the things that didn't go as great as they could have. And there's a lot of actually weird, maybe not weird's not the right word, but, like, parallels between our stories in that, like, my mom has improved a lot. And she is, like, very accepting, very, like, much more knowledgeable now. Like, like I obviously live in an apartment with my boyfriend, who she... Sometimes I honestly think she likes chemo more than I, more than, <laughs> more than me, but that's a side thing. Um, she, uh, yeah, so she's come a long way and in regards to that, we're on, uh, pretty good terms now. But point being, I think when I initially came out to her, I think it could, it could have gone, it could have gotten better, but it also could have been way worse. And I, she's definitely improved a lot over the years and we're, we're good on that now. And I think a lot of it. I mean, I'm not going to say a lot of it didn't hurt, but it definitely came from a place from her point of concern and partial ignorance, which she corrected over time. So mm-hmm. there's definitely something to be said for that. So, yeah, I guess long story short, I, I came out in kind of periods and then around 2013, I wrote a blog post about how I wasn't able to donate blood. And that was my, I am, that was when I ripped the ankle out of the closet and I was fully, fully out of there. Mm-hmm. That was my like final moment of I'm, I'm out of there and I'm not going back in. It is dusty in there. It is like, and it doesn't get great ventilation or any sunlight. No. Even walk-in oh closets don't really don't have windows. So it's like, yeah. Exactly. Even my multi-layered, multi-closeted, inception of a closet <laughs> didn't have good sunlight <laughs> yeah but I, I don't know i think like what i and i think that's the thing about coming out stories it's like we both have a coming out story and they could look vastly different even if they still have commonalities inside of them it's something like an experience that most people in the lgbt community uh share is this story whether good bad supportive it's this story like this experience that we've all ex- like had and it's individual to us yes but it's an area that we all kind of i don't know just have in common and i think it allows to like bring us all together in a sense it, and maybe that like that might be that magnet because i also find myself like just being drawn to queerness like yeah i can't see but i'm doing like the michael jackson that i guess dance move like just be magnetized towards <laughs> something else yeah i think it's maybe that's what like just draws us to other queer folk i know if i'm even if i'm in a room full of strangers and i see somebody who which you know can be deemed in whatever way somebody who is outwardly queer so whether something they say whatever the case may be i know that they're in the community it just draws me to them because I, I automatically think there's some type of safety here. Um, generally, there's some type of, type of safety here because there's just an element of society that you get. That like weird, like kind of gaydar, like <laughs> ma- magnetism. 
Is, right. I feel like there's got to be some, like, I don't know if, like, a psychologist has ever studied that, but I feel like there's some sort of, like, I would be interested in the neurological explanation for that, because I feel like there is one. Like, I'm not sure if it's, like, pheromones or something. Like, the scientific explanation for, or maybe even sociological reason for why queer people are naturally drawn together. Like, I'm sure there's some, like, kind of sciencey reason that I would almost be curious about. Right. I'm going to go scroll through scholarly articles now <laughs> to see if somebody else did the work. That would be nice. That's not my major. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, I think, I think that's a, that's, that's a good place to conclude for today. If you concur. Yeah. I'm very, very interested in doing an American Red Cross, like blood donation episode. That is a can of worms, because good lord, can I talk about it for a long time. That I feel like that could almost be a two-parter for me. It, um, it could be. It really could be. Because I wanted to share my story, but I'm like, ooh, let me look at the time. We've been here for a little minute. Y'all been listening for a little while, and I appreciate that. We can, we can, we can put it on the docket. I feel like yeah. it's, 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 an, it's an important thing. And honestly, it would be the thing I can speak most confidently on of all the things we've discussed so far. Mm -hmm. so yeah that'll probably come up at some point then there we go hmm. guess y'all just have to listen to find out more indeed inserts evil laugh <laughs> i'm zach and i'm amari and, and we this are free is to, free to be it's free to be